How's everybody doing today? Are you enjoying the first real winter we've had in years? Now, there was a few rowdy folks over here, but I gather that most of you don't care for this winter. That's quite all right. That's quite all right. I personally enjoy it. Okay, I'm a little sick like that. I'm sorry. But you can know that God is making someone happy. That's all I can tell you. All right? When you're miserable, you can know at least God cares about Gary. Okay? This summer, I will feel the exact opposite, but that's okay. Anyway, my name is Gary. I'd like to welcome everybody out today. Uh, Tim, the regular guy that's up here, is in Atlanta, correct? With his uh, family, his nephew. Is his nephew an opera singer? No, ballet, right? Something. Some big thing that I don't follow, okay? Ballet and hockey. I don't get it. But I'm just sorry. I don't, can't follow everything. There's two things I choose not to. That's all I'm saying. It's <laughs> pretty close, ain't it? For those that don't follow, you're correct. Anyway, uh, we are, Tim started a series two weeks ago entitled Under New Management. Oh, before I forget, I have an announcement. I probably have more announcements I'm forgetting, but I know of one. Next Saturday evening on the 15th, at what time, dear? 6.30. We are having a family devotional here at the church building. What is that all about, Gary? Well, I'll tell you. We've revised our teen ministry and done a little tweaking to it. We actually are now referring to it as a youth and family ministry. And we're trying to make it more of a whole family thing instead of focusing just on teenagers. Uh, realizing that God gave teenagers families. How about that new concept, huh? And so we are having a, a devotional aimed at helping families and equipping families to, to be more of what God wants them to be. We're going to be doing this on a monthly basis. And uh, if you are a family with teenagers, you are welcome. If you are a family with younger children, you are welcome. If you just want to come and see what's going on, you are welcome. And we're not kidding about that, guys. We believe that God has created His church to be a family. Okay, and we are to function as a family. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But seriously, if you are a senior citizen or, you know, grandma of grandpa age and you would like to see what's going on and see how you may even be involved in this uh, in the youth and family and be involved in younger people's lives, please come. We invite you. It's not a requirement. It's an opportunity. Um, and we'll leave it at that. So there is my one announcement. Anyway, Tim has been doing a series entitled Under New Management. And this series is based off our theme for the year. And our theme is something we choose every year. And, and, and it's something that in years gone by we would forget by March. Okay? And we have progressively gotten better at this. Where our, we, we keep our theme before us. And our theme is just really a way of focusing. Um, what we believe something that we as elders believe the church needs to pay attention to. The church needs to give some attention to on a continuing basis for the period of a year. Last year, our theme was sink down roots and raise up fruit. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to just be reminded all year with the concept that God says is reality. And that is that 
If you want to bear the fruit in your life that God wants you to have, you've got to, cancel, you've got to concentrate on the roots. That you have to be rooted in the right thing. That's where the nourishment comes from. And then fruit just naturally happens. And our theme for this year is, I'm yours, Lord. And that may seem like a very simple theme. And honestly, it might—it kind of sounds like a redundant theme, doesn't it? I mean, we are, as a church, we're a group of people who have chosen to commit our lives to following Jesus Christ as Lord. And it may seem redundant to say, have to stay focused on, I'm yours, Lord. Why do we need reminded that I'm the Lord's? That's what I committed my life to. Well, the reality is that we lose that focus, don't we? I mean, you look in the Bible at God's people, and, and, and historically they just go through this cycle of following God and being real excited, and then not so much so. And that's putting it politely. If you go back and read the book of Judges in the Old Testament, there's one saying that is very clear in my mind from reading that book, and it is, Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. God would raise up a judge and they'd do better and they'd follow God and they'd be all fired up and He'd lead them in great victory. And then Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And I think if we're honest, if we took a time for each of us to get up here and confess, we could confess a very similar cycle in our own lives, couldn't we? Where we get committed to God, we get all fired up, and then we kind of drift away or fade away. And we need to continually be called back. To be in what God wants us to be. And guys, we believe that Jesus is to be Lord of our lives. Amen? That's what we're here for. And that's our theme. Now, it goes a little bit beyond this. And if you want to, if you want to do some further research on it, there's a story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13. I'm not going to read it right now just for the sake of time. If you want to read it later on your own, check me out. I encourage you to read your Bible. But it's a story of what Jesus called the parable of the weeds. And Jesus did this a lot um, in Matthew 13, in Matthew 25. Whenever he told parables, this is what he, he started the majority of them this way. And he said, the kingdom of God is like. And by what do you think? Is that me doing something wrong up here? Okay, somebody work on that, Okay. He said, the kingdom of God is like. And you need to know, if you've made a commitment to Jesus as Lord and accepted Him as your Savior, you are a member of the kingdom of God. Okay, so He's talking about us. He's talking about the reality of our existence as a follower of Jesus when He says, the kingdom of God is like. And in this parable, He tells the story of a man that went out to sow seed. He went out to plant wheat specifically. And after he went out and planted weed, it says his, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And as it sprang up, the servants came and said, Master, there's, there's, there's weeds in the wheat. What's going on? And he said, well, the enemy's done this. And he says, you want us to go pull the weeds up? And, and the master says, no. If you do that, you will tear up the wheat as well. Wait till harvest. I'll have the, the workers separate them, and then we'll burn them. Well, guys, it's interesting because one of the things, and again, when you study your Bible, sometimes you need to dig a little deeper and you need to see what's going on. Because sometimes in our English translations, something is missed. 
When it says that he's, the enemy sowed weeds among the wheat, that's a, that's, that's a fairly loose translation. It's accurate, but it's not real clear. You see, when you go back to the original Greek language of what was used there, the word that is used there is referring to a very specific kind of a plant, not just any weed. And it's, it's, I guess it's called zazanium. I don't know if I said that correct. But here's what it is. Jesus is referring to a plant that is found in Palestine, which resembles wheat, both in its stalk and grain, but it's worthless. So let me draw you this picture. Jesus says the kingdom of God, which is a group of followers, all, all of the followers of Jesus Christ, is going to be like this field that has wheat in it, but the enemy has sown this, this weed that looks exactly like wheat. Its stalk looks the same. Its fruit, its fruit looks the same. And I say it's not till the fruit gets to maturity does it look a little different. And you see, guys, when I first read that last, last year, Sometime, I don't remember when. I'd read it before. But it jumped out at me. And I, as I discussed this, this, I've discussed this parable with both Tim and Alan. And I said, guys, I want to do a whole lesson on this sometime. And that's not today. But I just couldn't help myself from talking about it, so I am. And Alan goes, Gary, well, whoever reads that, they ought to be scared by that. Because what that saying is, we're part of the kingdom of God right here today. Okay? We are it. And what Jesus is saying is, some of us are good fruit and some of us are weeds. That's what he's saying. Now, he's, he's very clear also, if I, think of you, if I look at you and I think you're a weed, I'm not to go try to tear you out and throw you out of the kingdom. Okay? I'm not to say, get in or get out. That's not my job. Okay? But it is my job to go, hey, dude, I think you're a weed. Okay? See, because one of the things in the parables of Jesus, not every detail can you take to its drawn-out conclusion. Because in the reality of things, that weed can never change, can it? I mean, a weed can't just say, hey, I want to be wheat now. I'm going to do that. No, it can't. But spiritually speaking, if you see yourself resembling a weed, you don't have to stay that way. Okay, that's the cool part about it. So if you look at yourself and you're saying, I'm not sure if I'm a weed or a, a, a weed, you don't have to stay that way. If you say, I think I resemble a weed, you don't have to stay that way. And guys, one of the truths of the matter is, weeds look the same as the wheat. Okay? They may say Jesus is Lord, but He's really not. And so, guys, why do we have this theme for this year? Because we want to reaffirm. We're not going to have a uh, witch hunt here and separate everybody. There's a wheat, there's weeds. We're not going to do that. Okay? Anyway, guys, here's the situation. We believe we, if, if you resemble a weed, you need, to, you need to examine yourself and you need to take notice. And you want to know one of the big ways is Jesus isn't going to show up as Lord of your life. There's going to be areas of your life where you may want Him to be Lord. You may come to church. You may be part of a small group. You may read your Bible. But you go, there's those areas in my life I don't really want Him to rule over. Guys, we hope you take notice of those. 
So that's what we're talking about. As we talk about this today, and that's what this series is about, is under new management. Okay? Is we're calling everybody to examine how much is Jesus really Lord of every area of your life? How much is He? And we want you to examine it. Guys, we want to, I want to start out today with a question. And that is, do I really believe God? That's a question for each of you to ask. Do I really believe God? You see, guys, it's real easy to, do, to, to, to be religious and to say you follow Jesus because I've done this. And to not let Him be Lord of every area of your life. Do you know that? If you've been around long enough, you can. And the reality is, if you, when, when you're not allowing Jesus to be Lord of your life, what you're saying is, God, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, you are to be trusted with this area. I don't believe you will really take care of this problem in my life. So I'm going to have to handle it myself. And so, guys, I ask you, do you really believe God? In Hebrews 11, chapter 1, in verse 6, it's in your notes. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives assurance about things we cannot see. And it goes on, it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. You see, guys, sometimes we want to be religious, but we really don't want to be people of faith. Does that make sense? We want Jesus to save us, but to be a real man or woman of faith, I'm not so sure about that. You see, because I've read the stories in the Bible, and those people of faith that God holds up, I'm not sure I like the way they're all their lives turned out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you look at them, you look at the, the story of Joseph, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, an incredible story back in the end of Genesis, chapter 37 through 50. I encourage you to read it on your own. He was a man that trusted God. Well, what, what, happened, what was his life like? Well, he was sold as a slave by his brothers that hated him. Ended up being separated from his family for 22 years. He spent 13 of those years as a slave and then as a prisoner for a crime he didn't commit. Yeah, that's what I want. How about you? You know, which one do you want? Do you want Jeremiah, who was repeatedly beaten for telling people what God had to say? Thrown down into a cistern and left in the mud? Left to die? I don't want to live like that. That's not the, the man of faith I want to be. How about Hosea? Some of you single people, okay? You want to get married, right? Have you read Hosea? Hosea was a man of faith. God, you know what God did for him? He said, I want you to go marry a prostitute. You see, guys, when you're, when you're a man or woman of faith, Jesus is Lord of every area of your life. And with Hosea, he understood, my marriage isn't mine. My marriage belongs to God. And if God needs an illustration to show His people their unfaithfulness, I will be that man. See, guys, when it comes to being a man, we don't necessarily want to... How many of you sign up for any of those scenarios? Nobody does, do you? I think that's why God doesn't tell them all the details in advance. That's my theory. I don't have any... Proof of that. But guys, real faith requires three things. It requires three things. The first of which is it requires seeking God. 
And this is more than just praying. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. But listen to this passage. I, I don't believe it's in your notes. It, it's, the, it's Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. It says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Guys, you've got to decide you're going to seek God. It's not just a matter of doing a few things. It's a matter of putting forth some effort. The second thing, guys, is is a choice to trust God. Because that's what he says. That anyone who comes to him must believe not only that he exists, but that he rewards those who earnestly seek him or sincerely seek him. You see, guys, when things aren't going right in your life, you have a choice of whether you're going to believe God or not. When things aren't going the way you want, you have a choice. And am I going to trust God or not? Am I going to trust what He says? Am I going to stay on the path that He has designed for me to take? Hosea had a choice when the prostitute God told him to marry was unfaithful to him and bore children to him that he did not father. He had a choice to make. Am I going to trust God? And then when she sold herself back as a prostitute and God said, go buy her back, he had a choice to make. God, does this really seem wise? You know, am I not enabling her? God says, no, this is what I want you to do. Guys, if you're going to be a man or a woman of faith that Jesus is really Lord of your life, you've got to choose to trust that God's going to make things work out. You've got to do that. The last thing, guys, is that you've got to take some specific action. It's called obeying. And again, I encourage you to go read through Hebrews chapter 11 on your own and to read the whole chapter. And what it says is by faith. And then it tells what the man or woman did. By faith, Abraham obeyed God and was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. By faith, David faced Goliath. By faith, Noah built an ark. And on and on and on it goes. And please don't stop early in the chapter because it gets down to people that are unnamed. Those are people like me and you. And what it says is those people died not receiving what they were promised. What? See, guys, they trusted God that what they were doing was of, more, was of greater purpose than, than their life. Guys, you've got, to choose, you've got to take some specific action. Trusting God for what's going to happen. Guys, I've just got a little examination question before we get into my two points. I have two points today, okay? And it took longer this morning than I thought. The examination question is, am I committed to obeying whatever God tells me? You see, because God's calling us, I believe, to believe two things today. He's challenging us to examine two very core beliefs as we go through this this year, looking at our stewardship, looking at being under new management. And the first belief is that God owns every part of my life. Every part 
of my life. You see, look at this in Psalms 24. It says, the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to Him. You see, guys, they all belong to Him, but let's, let's understand something. We have a free will. He doesn't zap us with mind-numbed obedience. We have a choice of whether or not we're going to listen to Him and whether or not we're going to follow Him. Now, when you talk about God owning every part of your life, it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What part of everything does not include part of your, is, is part of your life not included in? That's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? Everything. Everything. Let's read this next passage and then I'll go on. It says, I have, Psalms 50 says, I have, this is God talking here. He's talking about all the sacrifices the people bring to him. He says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pen. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains. And the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Guys, let me ask you, what part of your life do you think God has no interest in? What do you think, what part of your life do you believe God has nothing to say about? A few years ago, we were in our small group, and there was uh, some individuals in our small group, and they were a family was having a problem. And somebody brought, I forget who it was, or husband, wife, man, father, mother, whatever, that said, God doesn't have anything to say about this. God doesn't tell us how to handle this situation. They were wrong, by the way. God had a lot to say about how he handled the situation. But guys, let me ask you, is there some part of your life that you go, you know, I don't think God has anything to say about this. You know, God really doesn't have anything to say about uh, where, what, what job I take. God doesn't have anything to say about who I marry. God doesn't say any, have anything to say about <clears throat> how much money I should or shouldn't make. Okay? For each of us, that's something that's individual. You know, what part of your life do you think He does, is not interested in? Now, I've come up with a little simple test of how you can see if you're letting God have ownership in every part of your life. Okay? If you look at some area of your life and you say, am I really letting God have ownership of this life? This is my simple test. I have no scripture for this. But it's a very simple one. And is, do you seek God about that area of your life? Do you seek Him? Now, I'm not asking, do you pray about it? Because there's a difference between praying and seeking, is there not? Sometimes we pray and what's to say like, God, help me and give me stuff. Is that not right? God, help me and give me stuff. Now, what's, well, what's seeking then? Seeking is, God, this is what's going on. This is what I think I need. But I want to know what you think. God, I want to know what you think I should do, and I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. You see, my wife and I right now, we have a, 
it appears that we have some doors opening on some business opportunities. It appears that way. And yesterday morning we were talking, and I had had some text messages back with one of the parties involved. And I'm saying, uh, you know, basically I'm getting a little insecure. What's this guy saying? I'm wondering if something's going on behind my back. And she says, well, you know. No, no, you're taking this wrong. Let me finish. She said, you know, we prayed about God opening or closing the door, making it obvious. See, I've said that so many times it makes me sick. She just quoted me. And I'm the one that taught her how to quote the other person and feed their words back to them. She's using my trick on me. But she's right. Why do I need to worry? Why do I need to fret? God, if you're opening this door, great. I think it's a great idea. If you close it, guess what? I'm okay with that too. And you see, you've got to know, what part of your life do you want not want God to touch? What part of your life do you not want Him to touch? Your marriage? Do you really want Him to touch your marriage? Talk to Hosea about that, okay? You see, guys, because God has a greater purpose in mind than what you do for your marriage. And your marriage isn't yours. It belongs to Him. Did you know that? Have you ever thought that way? This isn't my marriage. God gave me this. This is His, and I'm to do what He wants with it. Maybe you should ask Him what He wants. And be happy with, and, and be willing to do what He tells you. You see, I had to come to grips with my marriage wasn't to make me happy. My, her- my marriage was to make me like Jesus. And the truth of the matter was, at that time, that didn't excite me. That's why I was unhappy. I wasn't following Jesus. Guys, what about your hobby or your vacation? Do you pray about God? Where should we go on vacation? What should we do? How should we spend our money? One time I asked a guy one time, we asked in our small group, and I've told this story several times. We said, have you asked God if, basically the same question, you know, are you doing what's right? Are you doing with your life what you want to do? He says, no, I'm not going to ask that question. Why? I'm afraid he's going to tell me to sell everything and move to Africa. And I appreciate the honesty of the man because, guys, that's what we fear. That's what we fear is that God is going to tell us something that we are unwilling to do. And I I guarantee, I promise you, He will tell you something you're unwilling to do right now. But guys, that's what you need to know. If you need to know if you're recognizing God as Lord of every area of your life, the way you do that is you say, you, you ask yourself, am I willing to seek God about this? Am I willing to ask Him, do you want me to take that job? Do you want me to stay at the job I'm at? Remember the story of Joseph? I told you earlier, in the 22 years separated from his family, and the 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner. You know, in Psalms 105, do you know what God says about those 22 years? It says that, and that while he was doing that, God was shaping Joseph's character. What? Yeah. He was shaping Joseph. You see, you may want a different job. You may think you're being uh, uh, ridiculed or mistreated or even abused. Joseph was. And God's saying, 
I want you to change. I don't want you to change jobs. I want you to change your character. You see, guys, am I seeking the Lord's will for every area of my life? And will I accept it? Will I accept it? Guys, the second thing. Just one quick note before we move on. Guys, if you don't believe every area of your life that belongs to God, you probably won't seek Him and trust Him on how to manage it. So I, I just challenge you to ask God to show you what area of your life you're holding back on, you're holding back from Him. As we begin this study of stewardship, what do you look at your life and go, uh, hands off, God? Whether it's through ignorance or whether it's through willful uh, rebellion. Ask Him to show you. Second thing I believe God's calling us to believe is that He expects me to use, expects me to use it for a specific purpose. He expects me to use my life for a specific purpose. Guys, we live in America. And what does America say? It's my life. You know the saying? You heard the commercial, right? It's my money. And I want it now. What's the first phrase that a child learns to speak after no? Mine. Mine. Guys, guys want, God wants us to use our life for a specific purpose because it's really not my life. It belongs to Him. He's just entrusted me to manage that for Him. Um, there's a parable in Matthew 25. I'll tell you the parable and then we're going to read part of it here. But basically in the parable, Jesus says again, the kingdom of God is like a man that goes on a journey and he calls in his servants and he entrusts possessions to each of them according to their ability. And the story talks about three servants. One of them he trusted and he gave money. Uh, it says five talents, which is an amount of money, an amount of silver. The next one two, and the third one one. And the first two went out, put the money to good use, and doubled the money. The third one was afraid. He didn't want to lose the money. He was afraid what the master would do if he lost the money. So he didn't invest it. He went out and buried it. Didn't do anything with it. When the master comes back, he's happy with the first two servants. He calls the third one in, and this is what it says here. This is in your notes. It says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. 
Did you catch anything in that passage? What I catch, guys, and I think I think it's bold in your notes. It says he knew what the master expected. He knew the purpose for the master's money. And he didn't do it. You see, guys, everything that God has given you in your life, there is a purpose for. There is a purpose for. The question is, are, number one, are you looking for it? Okay? God's not going to hide it, but He's not going to send you an email without you asking either. Okay? That's why He says you've got to seek Him. He, but He promises, if you seek, you'll find. This servant knew what the Master expected. He knew what the Master, what the purpose was for His money, was to make more money. Can I tell you, God has a purpose for every area of your life right now. He has a purpose for your marriage. He has a purpose for your parenting. He has a purpose for your role as children. He has a purpose for you on the job. Okay? And that may be that He's going to use you as a light to reach a bunch of people on that job. Or it may be that He's going to use that job to reach you. He has a purpose. He has a purpose for the way you spend your vacation for the way you spend your free time, for your hobbies. The question is, guys, are you going to do, fulfill the Master's purpose? Or are you going to use it for yourself? That's the issue you have. You see, guys, I believe this third servant here is a weed. This is an example of the weed that we talked about earlier. How do we know that? Well, he looked like all the others. He looked like the other servants. He was given money like the other servants. And until the end came, when he examined the fruit of their, of their labor, there was no difference. There was no difference at all. You see, guys, you need to understand something. I believe I have this up here. Yeah, right in the notes, it talked about that he expects me to use my life for a specific purpose, but he chooses the purpose. You see this passage here in Proverbs 19, that's what it says. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You don't choose your own purpose. Do you know that? You know, one of the things we talked about earlier, the difference between seeking and praying. One of the things we pray a lot of times is, God, I've chose my purpose, now bless me. I've decided this is the way. Have you, have you ever heard talk to anybody? Or maybe you said it. I know I have. Why wouldn't God want this? You know, you, you have this idea of what your marriage wants to be. Why wouldn't God want this? This would honor God. Why wouldn't God want me to have this job? Why wouldn't God want me to make a lot of money? It's not good for me. That's why. Because He wants you to learn how to work. That's why. See, guys, you don't choose your own purpose. You've got to seek that out. Years ago, there was a, an individual here at Greater Alton. And this individual was miserable. I don't know how else to put it. It's probably 15 years ago or so. And what it was, was this individual had decided that they wanted to be a leader. Okay? 
And they wanted to be a leader bad. And I'll be honest with you, I, I believe the church was, at the time was guilty of, of elevating this leadership role too high. Okay, we made it so that everybody wanted to be it. We held it up. And at times, you know, we may get the impression like there's a second. If you're not a leader, you're a second tier citizen. Okay? And this individual bought it and loved it and wanted to be a leader with all their heart. The only problem was it didn't take rocket science to figure out that was not where they were gifted. I don't know. How, I mean, honestly, and, and they had to end up leaving here, leaving Greater Alton, because they would not be, it was, it was ever before them, and they couldn't let go of this idea. They couldn't be happy unless they were a leader. Why wouldn't God want me to be a leader? Well, that's a great idea. No. I don't believe that's what He's chose for you. I don't think that's His purpose for you. Why? Well, He closed that door. Guys, you've got to be careful. Because you don't choose your own purpose. God chooses it for you. God chooses it for you. Um, which leads us to this note there in your notes, is that I can reject God's purpose for my life. I can reject God's purpose for my life. This is what happens here in Luke chapter 7. This is what it says. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. God had a purpose, and they said what? They said no. No. And specifically, I didn't put the whole passage in there. They refused to be baptized by John. John the Baptist came along. It was the will of God that the people listen to John's preaching and be baptized by him and his disciples. And they said, no, I don't want anything to do with that. You see, guys, what does that mean? If, that would, if they would have accepted what John had to say, some of them would have been giving up their livelihood. They were Pharisees. They would have had to turn their back on things they believed and continued to believe, on their religious traditions. And they weren't willing to do it. So instead, they said, no, I believe that God's purpose is over here. We've already found it. And we're not going to do what you said, God. Guys, that's, that's scary, isn't it? To think about God's purpose can be right in front of you and you can reject it. You see, guys, there's a test there on whether or not you're accepting God's purpose for your life. And that test is <coughs> accepting equals specific action or fruit. See, you need to be able to look and see what God says, and then you need to be able to look and to see specific action that you are taking and have taken in your life. Specific action. See, guys, right now, if you're sitting here, and I'm just going to be honest with you, if you're sitting here and you can't think of specific actions you've taken over the last week, because of what God says, you're probably a weed. You're probably being a weed right now. If you can't look and say, you know what? God called me to love my spouse in a way that doesn't come naturally to me. I'm going to do that. Maybe that's it. You know what? 
God called me to trust Him with my finances this week. And so I didn't spend money, and I trusted Him instead of worrying about how my bills were going to be paid. You know what? I gave money to the poor because God put somebody needy in front of me. You know what? I reached out to help somebody beyond myself this week because God put them in my path. And God says that's what we should do. And you see, guys, it's going to be different for every one of us. What goes on in every one of our lives? I haven't prayed for any enemies this week. Do you know that? He hasn't put that in front of me right now this week. But He has done other things for me. Most of you know we have, and this is a small thing, I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm going to share it because I believe it's so clear and it's a little humorous. We have another family living with our family. It's the Johnsons, Wendy Johnson, and uh, her third children uh, moved back to the area and have been living with us since middle of December or so. And um, it's a challenge having two families in the same house, is it not? I mean, I don't know how else to put that. You're, 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 you know, you grab a roommate. And uh, they have two, two little twin children, C.T. and Sierra. And C.T. loves Uncle Gary. I'm Uncle Gary. Okay? And C.T. needs a male figure in his life right now. There's just, there, it's obvious. It's plain. God's put it in my life. And so, C.T.'s on it. I mean, and it's like a vacuum. You know? He, uh, we've, we've come up with this thing. We, we own a car wash. And I started taking him to a car wash uh, three or four weeks back. I didn't tell him where we were going the first time. Scared the living fire out of the boy. I did. So, CT, you're coming with me. Where are we going? Can't tell you. You're not going to do experiments on me, are you? I promise you I'm not. He goes with me. He helps me. Jones the trash. I give him $2. He starts seeing dollar signs. He wants to buy a, save his money and buy a 10-pound gummy bear. I get up early on Saturday morning, and I'm going out the door between 7 o'clock, and he finds out after he wakes up that I didn't wake him up and take him with me. Guess what? I've got an answer for that. Now, if most of you know, when you have a child working with you, and I don't care if it's a teenager or a younger child, when you're first teaching them how to work, it's more work sometimes to teach them in the beginning than it is that they're help. He loves it. He loves going to the car wash, counting his money. You go to the car wash, you go to the car wash today. He was sick for a week and a half. His mom wouldn't let him go to the car wash. She goes, good. I come home one day, he says, good news. Mom says I can go to the car wash. I said, bad news. I'm not going anymore. I'm just teasing him. But he, he doesn't last a week ago Saturday. We were watching Rocky. The Rocky movies were on one of the TV channels. And we were watching Rocky. When he had to go to bed, and I said, I'll record it. We'll watch it later. So I recorded both Rocky Three and Rocky Four, And that was last Saturday night. And probably eight times this week, he's saying, Gary, we need to watch Rocky. Gary, we need to watch Rocky. Gary, we need to watch... I, I, I get it, bud. I get it. Friday night, finally, he said, 7 o'clock, Gary, we need to watch Rocky. I said, you're right. We need to watch Rocky. Let's go into my bedroom. We'll turn it on. We'll watch Rocky. CT, I need to tell you something. What? Uncle Gary's going to fall asleep. 
And what does he say? I don't care as long as I'm with Uncle Gary. Hungering for male attention. Does it take, does it take effort from me? You bet it does. Was my life easier without having a nine-year-old begging for my attention? Yeah. It was. Is it rewarding? You better believe it. You better believe it. Guys, what action do you point to? That's something simple. That's something small in my life. Falling asleep watching a movie to make a nine-year-old happy. But guys, I had to choose to do it. I had to choose. I had to, when he asked for the eighth time that week, do you want to go watch Rocky? I had to make a choice. Guys, what choices are you making? What area of your life is God calling you to right now to claim His ownership for a purpose? I don't know what it is, but He does. And He will let you know if you are committed to seeking Him. You see, guys, there's a passage here at the end in Isaiah that Tim had on his notes last week. And God's speaking here and He's saying, Some will proudly claim I belong to the Lord. Others will say, I am a descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the name of Israel as their own. Guys, I believe with all my heart that God isn't interested in us speaking words about being His. As much as He's interested in our actions showing that we are His. So guys, as we close out today, I, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to beg you. Let God show you where you're holding back. Let God show you an area of your life where you're not giving Him ownership. Where you're going at your own. And ask Him to show you what you need to do. Let's pray, shall we? Father, You are, you are amazing. Father, You amaze me how faithful You are when You say, if we seek, we'll find.